The Buffalo Bills released their initial depth chart, an injury update, new practice standouts, and some comments from Ken Dorsey are all coming your way today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Well, folks, we've got a bunch of stuff to get to here today. We'll start with reflecting on the Buffalo Bills' first unofficial depth chart that they released. Then I want to get into some injury updates. There's been a few to touch base on. There's some standouts from practice that I want to talk about. The Bills had their second-to-last practice on Wednesday of training camp. And then some comments from Ken Dorsey that gave us some clues as it relates to the right guard competition, Trent Shurfield, and some other players coming up in segment three. But let's start with the Buffalo Bills' first unofficial depth chart and it was interesting and I think there's some context that we have to be mindful of before I dive into the stuff that stood out to me the most first of all the Bills put out a depth chart because they had to put out a depth chart they have a preseason game on Saturday every team in the NFL puts out a depth chart we shouldn't put that much into it none of these position battles have been settled there's still a good amount of time. There's three full weeks of preseason to sort some things out. So before I get into this, I wanted to put that disclaimer on it because I saw the reaction on social media and people got twisted up over this. And I don't think it's worth getting twisted up over. But with that said, there are some things that stood out to me. Let's get into my takeaways from the Bills' first depth chart. Number one is at right guard. For the other position battles, you'll see multiple players listed as the starter. Middle linebacker, cornerback two, even wide receiver three. You'll see all of the names listed in alphabetical order with the first team, not with right guard. No, that wasn't the case. Ryan Bates was listed as the starting right guard. Osiris Torrance is the backup right guard. And this aligns with some of the recent observations that's been coming out of training camp and that Ryan Bates has been the more consistent player over Osiris Torrance, in addition to Ryan Bates also being the backup center. So part of the reason he might not be getting as many first-team reps is because he's also running center with the second team. And so 
Torrance is getting some of that workload. And, and I think it is a legitimate competition, and Ken Dorsey said as much. We'll get to that later on. But I thought it was interesting that Bates was listed as the starting right guard, which is different than what we saw at middle linebacker in CB2. A couple other offensive line-related notes that I want to touch on. Tommy Doyle was listed as the backup left tackle over David Questenbury, who was listed as the third-string right tackle. So at right tackle, it's listed as Spencer Brown, Brandon Shell, and then David Questenbury. And then at left tackle, you have Deion Dawkins, of course, but Tommy Doyle listed as the backup. And he wasn't even the third backup. It was, I think, Ryan Van DeMark. And I watched practice last week, folks. There wasn't a single time where when Deion Dawkins came out and they brought in the second team that Tommy Doyle was the guy there. It was always David Questenbury. And so I thought that was something that definitely didn't line up with what actually has been happening on the practice field. Also along the offensive line, Ike Bucker is listed as the third left guard behind David Edwards. So Connor McGovern, your first team left guard, David Edwards, your second team left guard, and Ike Bucker, your third team left guard. So I think Ike Bucker is very much a bubble player right now. And I know the Bills have been pretty committed to Ike Bucker, but I think he needs help to make this roster. I really do. Moving on to the defensive side of the football. This was the big one. Puna Ford listed as the fifth defensive tackle. So, at Oliver, Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, all listed ahead of Puna Ford as DT5. And it's an interesting situation because Puna Ford, kind of a a run stuffer, right? Not a whole lot of value on passing downs. I watched practice, and I know that that was before Jordan Phillips was available. Puna Ford came in as Daquan Jones' backup. I haven't really thought about a world where Puna Ford doesn't make this roster, but it was at least interesting that he was the fifth defensive tackle where kind of feel like he's the first guy in for Daquan Jones. I guess Jordan Phillips' return impacts those things. So defensive tackle has always been a spot here for me that has some challenging layers to it because I don't think they're going to roster five. I think they're going to roster four. And I've never considered Puna Ford being that fifth guy. And so we'll see how that all shakes out. This one was interesting at nickel cornerback. Of course, Taron Johnson, your starter. But the depth chart lists Cam Lewis as the nickel cornerback, too, ahead of Saran Neal. And in everything that I observed last week, Saran Neal was very clearly the guy that came in for Taron Johnson. And we even had an entire practice without Taron Johnson at the blue-red practice at Highmark Stadium in Saran Neal ran with the first team, not Cam Lewis. So I thought that was an interesting note that didn't really mesh with what is actually happening on the practice field. Then I mentioned already the two starting jobs that are very much open, middle linebacker and cornerback two. At middle linebacker, it lists Terrell Bernard and Tyrell Dotson in alphabetical order by last name. And the same thing with CB2, Christian Benford, slash Kyer Elam, slash Dane Jackson, all listed in alphabetical order. And then the last note on the depth chart, 
that I thought was interesting. The stuff that you'd expect is the stuff you would expect. But at safety four, you have Damar Hamlin slash Cam Lewis. And that's an interesting one because I don't know that the Bills will keep five safeties. And we've been through this conversation between Damar Hamlin, Cam Lewis, and Dean Marlowe. I think two of those three don't make the roster. And I thought it was interesting that they listed both of those players as the safety four in alphabetical order with the slash mark and not one of them as the fifth safety. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on here the rest of the way. Again, don't put too much into this. I think the Atlanta Falcons put out their depth chart and B. John Robinson was listed as their third string running back. We all know that's not going to be the case. So let's let it play out. It's worth acknowledging, but it's not worth getting twisted up over. One other note here from practice before we dive into other participation things that I want to I want to mention is that John Murphy, the radio voice of the Buffalo Bills, he was in a in attendance at practice on Wednesday, and that's significant because he suffered a stroke just prior to the Bills game against Cincinnati, that Monday night game in Cincinnati in late December. And he's been recovering from that. And Chris Brown is the interim play-by-play guy. But I think it's a great sign in terms of where he's at in his recovery that he made an appearance at training camp. And so we've obviously all been thinking about John Murphy, but really cool to see him in attendance and at least a good indicator that he's on a good path to recovery. All right, folks, a bunch more to get to here, but next up, I need to tell you about Underdog Fantasy. Check it out. August is here. You know what that means. It's the official start of Fantasy Football Drafting Month, and you need to get championship ready for your home league by trying out best ball on Underdog Fantasy. And Underdog is simply the easiest place to play fantasy football, and it's the best place for best ball. All you do is one live snake draft. There's no waivers. There's no trades. And then Underdog sets your best lineup every week. And you could try that out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament, the largest fantasy football contest of all time. It's back, and it's even bigger with $15 million of total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million going to the winner. And check this out. Last year, the winner drafted their team in July. So there's no reason to wait around. Get in on this action by visiting underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and sign up with promo code locked on. And if you do, that'll get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's underdog fantasy promo code locked on. All right, folks, let's talk about some of the updates coming out of the Wednesday practice, Wednesday, August 9th practice, the Bills' second-to-last training camp practice. And there's some injury updates because there were some players that have been banged up a little bit recently, and I want to provide you with some updates. We'll start with Deion Dawkins. Deion Dawkins left practice earlier in the week and went into the training room, came back without his pads on, had a brace on his hand, and he was back on, on the field on Wednesday. So it looks like everything's good to go with Deion Dawkins and whatever hand injury he suffered. Josh Allen, we know that he finished practice when he went and got stretched out 
or you know, went to the athletic trainer room for a while and then came back and finished practice. Ken Dorsey commented on Josh Allen, and this is what he said, quote, I, I know he just went in and got stretched out and everything and then came back out and looked good. He felt really good throwing it in that day and everything, so no worries there. So I guess whatever was going on with Josh Allen, he got stretched out and seems to be good to go. This one's a little bit more significant to me. That's running back Damian Harris. He didn't practice on Wednesday due to a sore knee. And I'm not sure that there's anything huge to be concerned about, but Damian Harris has kind of had a a history there with some knee challenges throughout his career. He's missed some time in recent years. And Damian Harris is a better running back than the contract that he got. He was a good four-year player for the New England Patriots. He came to the Bills for like a one-year, $1.7 million deal. He's a better player than that. But I think some concerns over his durability impact or impacted his market. And so you can see the Bills at least taking a caution, a cautionary approach here with Damian Harris. He didn't practice on Wednesday. Not sure how long this will linger, but that'll tie into something I want to talk about here in just a moment. But Damian Harris not practicing Wednesday due to a sore knee. Jordan Poyer got a veteran rest day. And he had a bunch of other players that missed that have missed earlier practices this week. Ed Oliver with back soreness. He was out again. Cam Lewis is out again with a groin. Reggie Gilliam still out with a groin. And then, of course, Von Miller and Tyler Medikavich still on the pup list. But I mentioned I wanted to kind of expand on this Damian Harris situation a little bit. And one of the standouts, by all accounts, seemingly any Bills beat reporter that you read their practice recap, you're going to hear about Latavius Murray, Bills running back in a couple of very explosive plays, like a 70-yard play and another long reception from Josh Allen. And Latavius Murray is a guy that really stood out to me when I was there last week. Brought a lot of energy. First of all, you can't miss him, and he's a big running back, and not like a big sloppy running back, like a big rocked-up running back, like 6'2", 6'3", over 230 pounds. I mean, this guy is rocked up, and he's explosive. You don't expect him to be able to run like he can. When he came out, of college. I mean, he ran in the four threes. He's always been a big, powerful, explosive dude, but he's, he's an aging running back. I think he's the oldest running back in the league, but he still finds way to be productive every single year. And he doesn't often go into a season where he's expected to be a lead ball carrier or even a second string running back. But every year, this guy finds production. And the more that I Think about this Bills running back situation with James Cook. And, you know, I think he's clearly the lead back, but how much volume does he get remains a question for me. I I think it's going to be somewhere in that 180 to 210 range in terms of total touches. There's something to monitor with Damian Harris with the knee situation. And then there's Latavius Murray, who's like the oldest running back in the league, but I think he can help this football team. And as you consider the running back volume distribution, do not sleep on Latavius Murray. There is something that he offers that's very intriguing. And I think given the backs ahead of him on the depth chart, I think he will be utilized a little bit more than maybe some people anticipate. And I thought he provided a spark just about every time he touched the football when I was there. And it sounds like that's continuing. 
So don't sleep on Latavius Murray having not a huge role in this offense, but a meaningful role in this offense. I want to mention Dawson Knox. Sal Capaccio said something that stood out to me. Sal Capaccio has been watching Bill's practice for a long, long time. He said on Twitter, I think Dawson Knox is having his best camp as a pro. That's a meaty statement, wouldn't you say? Because Dawson Knox has really developed quite a bit throughout his four seasons that he's already played. The big breakout in year three affirmed who he was in year four. Sal Capaccio is telling us that this looks as good as he's ever seen him. And I know one of the big questions with the drafting of Dalton Kincaid was, all right, well, what does this mean for Dawson Knox? And every time that I've been asked that question, my response is, I don't think it means anything for Dawson Knox. I think Dawson Knox is going to continue to be the player he's been over the last couple of years for the Bills. And Dalton Kincaid impacts the offense in different ways. And obviously, together, they make a lot of impact. But don't forget about 88. Good player, still an ascending player, a guy that athletically is extremely gifted, has great size, and obviously still kind of new to the tight end position. High school quarterback, sort of played tight end in, in college, and he's had a lot of growth in the NFL. Don't rule him out. He's going to have a big role. And I don't think the arrival of Dalton Kincaid means much at all for Dawson Knox. If anything, it helps him. Chris Brown reported that Ryan Bates got most of the work at right guard. So we'll see if that trend continues. I mean, we talked about the depth chart already. We'll get into some comments from Ken Dorsey in just a moment, but Ryan Bates getting the majority of work at right guard with the first team. Tyrell Dotson got the most first-team reps, but according to reports, uh, Terrell Bernard did see some time, which has been that's a little bit of a shift because we've seen typically guys get the entire practice with the first-team defense at middle linebacker. They're sprinkling some guys in and out, which is a little bit of a shift. And then, of course, you, you continue to see a steady rotation at CB2 between Dane Jackson, Kyrie Elam, and Christian Benford. I want to make a comment here that I think is important. Training camp closes on Thursday, which means a very different news cycle for the Buffalo Bills. There are no longer open practices with fans in attendance, and what we get from beat reporters is going to be a lot different. They're not going to tell us who ran with the first team. They're not going to uh, tell us what the rotations were, anything like that. They're, they're muted now, and I don't think that's an accident. Before the first preseason game, with a lot of time between now and the regular season, camp closes and the reporting structure changes a ton. I was talking to Kyle Krabs, host of Locked On Dolphins, and my best friend. He couldn't believe that the Bills were done with training camp on Thursday. He's like, the the Dolphins got joint practices next week with the Houston Texans. I don't think this is by mistake. I think Sean McDermott has let things play out publicly for this period of time and the rest of the way between Thursday and when the bills play the jets, there's going to be a different reporting structure that just gives us less information. And that's not by accident. And so it's great to have all the foundational knowledge that we've had to this point, 
but probably the most important stretch of practicing and results and rotation is coming, and we're not going to get the same information we've been getting. Not by accident. Not by accident at all. All right, folks, after a quick break, we're going to come back and reflect on some of the big comments made by Bill's offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. Stick with me. We'll be right back. All right, folks, want to dive into these comments from Bill's offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. But first, would like to invite you to join the Locked On Bill subtext community. Been telling you about it for a while now. And uh, something that we started a few months ago, it's been awesome. And if you want to join, there's a link in today's show notes to get started. Here's what you get. You get one-on-one text conversations with me, which is awesome. I'm only a text message away. We could talk Bill's football anytime you have a question, comment, concern, send it my way. Love interacting with you. Some people have asked me, like, how do you well, how do you have time for that? Well, this is what I do, folks. This is I'm the host of Lockdown Bills. I produce content. I talk Buffalo Bills football. So let's continue that conversation on the text line. You get priority when it comes to herd mentality, some exclusive content. I send pretty much a daily a thought dump of what's on my mind with the team. You get my first reaction to all major Bills news. So check it out. There's a link uh, to join in today's show notes. The preseason starts on Saturday against the Colts, and I've, I got a feeling there's going to be some cool stuff in there for subtext subscribers. I'm going to really share some thoughts uh, to the folks in the subtext. Uh, I'm not going to really going to be tweeting that much. I'm going to be in the subtext, so check that out. Again, a link in today's show notes to join. All right, let's look at these comments here by Ken Dorsey, and he talked for like 17 minutes, and a lot of it wasn't useful to me. Um, and so hopefully you didn't listen to the whole 17 minutes and you just kind of uh, took the opportunity right now to, to for me to give you the most important takeaways. So uh, this is what I thought was interesting from Ken Dorsey. He did comment on the right guard competition uh, between Ryan Bates and Osiris Torrance, which feels like it's leaning more and more towards Ryan Bates every day. Dorsey called it a great competition between Torrance and Bates, said they bring different things to the table. I'd agree they're very different skill sets. He said they're still evaluating, and it's really close between those two guys. You know what's interesting about this spot, in addition to the middle linebacker spot? Whether it's Tyrell Dotson versus Terrell Bernard or Ryan Bates versus Osiris Torrance, in a lot of ways, I couldn't imagine two different players being candidates for the job. And since we're talking about right guard, let's focus in on what makes Osiris Torrance a different player than Ryan Bates. Well, Ryan Bates is an elite athlete that can play literally all five spots along the offensive line. Osiris Torrance is a below-average athlete that can play one spot, right guard. Opposite players. Really different body types. Everything is different. One guy's going to start, one guy isn't. Ken Dorsey made this comment as well about Osiris Torrance and knowing responsibilities, which was a good question that was asked because So much of a rookie winning a job isn't what they can do physically. It's what they know mentally. And on knowing his responsibilities, Ken Dorsey said this, quote, I think that's a huge part of being a rookie. Osiris is getting more and more to that point. And I'll tell you what, he did a great job in the offseason between mini camps and training camp because he knew more when he came back than he did when he left. That's the exciting part about him is there something inside him that wants this. He wants to be a good football player, and he wants to be out there and help us win football games. And I think it's meaningful that 
Ken Dorsey commented on the mental development and knowing his responsibilities and how much growth there was between mini camp and training camp. It's very encouraging. On Dalton Kincaid, Ken Dorsey said he's done a great job. He's working hard and showing he can do the right things mentally and physically. Still a growing process, and there's no pressure on him. We have a lot of guys that can produce. And then if you guys get a chance, Matt Beauvais had a conversation with Dawson Knox, and he was asked, you know, what, what is it specifically that when people are asked about Dalton Kincaid and they say he, he's not a rookie, like what specifically is that? And Dawson Knox, as Kincaid's like dorm mate at camp, really had an insightful answer about the way he sees defenses and those types of things. It was a really good answer. So make sure you go check that out. Matt Beauvais, you can follow him on Twitter and, and read those comments, but really, really enlightening stuff. But just more and more commentary about Kincaid and how physically and mentally, it just feels like he's ready to go. We can all watch him on the practice field and you can see that he's a natural football player. But to uh, just continue to hear those types of comments is very encouraging. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Ken Dorsey was asked about if one of his primary players is also the primary return guy, how does that impact the offense? And we've We've speculated about the Bills and them not loving duality, right? Because whether it's for the return guy, uh, they've typically had a return guy that is the return guy, whether it was Andre Roberts and him having little to no role on offense or even the bite size of Naheem Hines that we got. uh, Very small role on offense, big time role on special teams. And you look at the likely candidates to to be the returner for the Bills, it's Deontay Hardy and Khalil Shakir. And so Ken Dorsey was asked, you know, how does that impact things offensively? And he said, really, the only impact is the play, the very next play after a return. You know, if they go out and have a fair catch or have a, a short gain or something like that, he's not really being mindful of what their role is on the next offensive play. But if they rip off a big gain, well, then obviously they might be a little bit gassed and you have to rethink that. And so he said, look, the only impact is that first play after the return, which makes a lot of sense, which is different than, okay, if this is a four-phase special teamer, you know that's going to have a little bit more of an implication on uh, what they can do offensively. But if it's just a return guy, the only thing he's thinking about is that first play after the return. The last comment I want to mention here from Ken Dorsey is about Trent Shurfield. And Trent Shurfield's a fascinating player for this team. I'll give you his comment, and then I'll, I'll share some more of my thoughts. Uh, he said, Trent Shurfield's been a great addition, has done a tremendous job coming in and picking up the system, knows what to do, switches between positions, said he has great speed and route running. And as at least as I think a lot about this slot position, and I, I feel like Kincaid's going to have a big role there, and 12 personnel is going to lead to Stefan Diggs playing more from the slot. Like I acknowledge all of that. But when the Bills actually go to 11 personnel, which is one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Who's that guy with Davis and Diggs? Is it Shurfield? Is it Deontay Hardy? Is it Khalil Shakir? Sometimes Diggs Diggs and or Davis could be off the field, and you get two of those guys out there. But what I love about all three is that all three can play inside and outside, in addition to having three really unique skill sets. And for Trent Shurfield, he's probably your cleanest projection to being a true outside and inside player. Gives you some size, gives you some physicality, does have some explosiveness to him, can block, 
And that versatility is exciting. And it's not that Shakir's not versatile. It's not that Deontay Hardy's not versatile. They are. But Sherfield probably has the most diversity to what he offers in terms of being a total package. And on one hand, you look at Trent Sherfield, and he's been on like so many different teams throughout the last several years. And everywhere he goes, it feels like they rave about him. But for some reason, he doesn't stick. I'm curious to see how that shakes out this year and then beyond in Buffalo because Josh Allen has raved about him. I mean, Dorsey has, McDermott has, even some of the other players have really said good things about Trent Sherfield. Is this his spot? Does he stick in Buffalo? We'll find out. But I think that versatility and, and what Dorsey said there about coming in and picking up the system, knowing what to do, switching between positions, I think it's going to lead to a pretty good amount of time on the field for Trent Sherfield. I think he can really help the team as a receiver and as a blocker. And, of course, being a multi-phase special teams contributor. I think he's going to be a nice nice player for this football team. All right, folks, there you have it. We covered the big takeaways coming out of Wednesday, August 9th, second-to-last Buffalo Bills training camp practice. We get one more on Thursday, so make sure you come on back. We'll discuss what happens there. We'll get ready for the Colts on Saturday as well here over the next couple of days on the podcast. So make sure that you're subscribed. We'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.